You're listening to the New Story Podcast from New Story Church in Kansas City. To learn more about New Story Church, visit our website at www.newstory.church. Welcome, everybody, to the Equip Podcast, uh, equipping you to live out your Christian life as you faithfully love God and love others with truth and grace. My name's Jeremy, one of the pastors here at New Story, and today you guys just get me. I don't have a guest with me. Hope to have some more guests in the future. Um, it's been a minute since we put out an episode, so I thought it'd be a good time uh, to sit down, because um, w- what this is is just kind of maybe a resurgence of, of the midweek, if you will, um, but uh, just another opportunity f- uh, to, like like always, uh, like we say in the beginning, help you think through cultural and biblical issues as, as a way to equip you to live out your Christian life with truth and grace. That's why we do these. That's why I'm sitting here with you today, and to be clear, uh, I'm not telling you what to think. Um, I'm here to help you learn how to think and how to think biblically. That's uh, a, a really important principle I bring up all the time with students, and I know I've brought up here before. I'm not here to tell you what to think. Um, your questions are welcome. Um, anyone who told you church isn't a place for questions, uh, that's nonsense. Don't believe it. This is a uh, it is a safe place for questions, and I know this isn't the great context for that. You're listening to my voice Um with headphones uh, or on a computer or something like that in your car, uh, whatever it may be right now. So it's a little bit different, but I encourage you, you can always uh, email me with any questions you have, j.dykeman at newstory.church. I uh, would love to hear from you. But again, not here to tell you what to think, but help you learn how to think and how to think biblically. And I'll try to keep it short today for us. No promises, uh, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, just something is happening uh, today. Today is Tuesday, October 11th. Something is happening today that you may not be aware of, but I want to make you aware of, is it is National Coming Out Day. Um, it's a, an important day for the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. Um, a quick background, it was first observed in 1988 on the anniversary of the, the National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights. And so this day um, is, is used not only as a celebration uh, for those who have come out, but also used to support those who are currently not out um, and just kind of behind the scenes, if you will. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus uh, that holds a historical Christian sexual ethic, um, and like like myself, this may cause some maybe uncomfortability at hearing that this is a thing being celebrated in our culture, um, uh, uncomfortability at a minimum, or even maybe just kind of a brokenness over the culture. I don't know where you're at. I'm not sure where you would line up on that spectrum, but on days like this, I, I want to encourage us toward a couple things. Now, historically, the the church's treatment of this community has been dreadful. Let's just let's call a spade a spade here. It's been dreadful uh, between you know conversion camps and just shouting constant condemnation. Um, it, it's done nothing but really push people away, and and we know this. We see this, um, and this is often done. Um, this kind of shouting and everything like that's done without any consideration for the humanity of the person on a base level. Um, but more importantly, um, I, I don't think it shows consideration for their status as an image bearer of our God. Um, just like the rest of us, any of us are. Um, and it's been, and is today, uh, it really, it's easier to keep people at the end of our pointing fingers. Maybe you've experienced that. It's easier to keep people there. Um, it's easier if you can just shout at them and not engage them and kind of keep them, uh, quote unquote, out there um, in the ether. If, as long as I keep them out there, it, we're safer. And so the first thing I want to encourage us towards is this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Be willing to live in the tension. 
I say this all the time. If uh, if you've talked with me, if you listened to me before um, in any capacity, I talk about living in the tension all the time. Because if any people on earth should be able to hold two things to be true at once, it should be followers of Jesus. So be willing to live in the tension of having your hope in the restoration of all things to come while living in the presence of sin in our world today. This is important. Now, this this may be controversial. So let me take a drink of coffee in between. Hold on. This may be controversial. But hear me out. I believe people should come out. As we're talking about this day, National Coming Out Day, I believe people should come out. Now, not in the sense that hey, this is my identity, this is who I am as a person, and you have to accept it wholesale. Not not that. But what we know to be true is that where for, for any of us, internal struggles like this that are hidden, suppressed, and not talked about honestly with people that we trust, where this has happened and happens has led to many things, depression, suicide, desperation, you name it. And as the and as the church has left this community at the the end of their pointing fingers for so long, this is what we've seen happen. And so, what I believe Jesus modeled for us, and what we see throughout the Bible, is that it is better that we shed light on these issues than hide them in the darkness. Can we can we just agree there? This is not this not only goes for coming out, but it goes for any uh, quote unquote secret sin in your life that you may have. But th- this type of transparency and honesty is not going to happen with someone that we don't trust, right? It's not. Just like you're not going to be honest about your porn addiction. You're not going to be honest about your emotional affair with your coworker that no one else knows about. You're not going to be honest about your drinking problem or, or drug or whatever it may be. Just like you're not going to be honest about that with someone that you don't trust. We can't expect this community to be any different because they're human just like all the rest of us guys. Man. So here's my second encouragement and challenge for you. Be willing to express care and compassion towards this community. Listen, they've heard nothing but judgment and condemnation and disapproval coming out of the church, so it's likely that if you know some people in this community or 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 or, or, or it you know or or you've interacted and they know that you're a Christian, they likely have some idea of what you believe and where you're at. And I can almost guarantee they already have walls up. Expressing care and compassion to listen and come alongside someone does not have to require full endorsement of what they're doing. Anyone who says that is full of nonsense because none of us would hold to that fully. You just go down the political realm and, and that quickly falls apart. That to, um, to, to, to see me as a person and listen to me as a person, you have to accept wholesale. That is not what we're going for here. And so when I say I believe people should come out, it's that, that, that nothing like this should hide in the darkness because nothing good comes of that. So, again, be willing to live in the tension because anytime you enter into a relationship or even uh, just conversation <clears throat> with someone who is a sinner, there is tension because as followers of Jesus, we're not of this world, but we're in it. And before you start to think that sinners are all uh, you know, quote unquote, out there. Let me clarify. Anytime someone enters into a relationship or conversation with someone who is a sinner, uh, you or me, <laughs> um, anytime someone enters into a relationship or conversation with me, there is tension. Because as followers of Jesus, we're not of this world, but we're in it. 
And listen, it's easier to believe that all the sinners are out there at the end of our pointing fingers and to not acknowledge our own brokenness than it is to live in the tension. So be willing to step into this and be willing to express care and compassion toward this community. Not accept wholesale. It's not what I'm saying. Don't twist my words. Express care and compassion toward them. And maybe, just maybe, we can begin to see more transparency, more honesty, less suicide, less self-harm, less depression, and ultimately, we may begin to see lives transformed by the Holy Spirit. Now, in the near future, I hope to do a more full discussion around this issue and how we can carefully respond to this, whether you want to be, call it a, a movement um, culturally or even just this community. Um, these human beings made in the image of God, um, I, I, I want to do a little bit more full um, discussion around this, how we can love them well while we look towards the restoration of all things and point them towards Jesus. Like This is, this is an important discussion, and I think there's a lot of correlations between this community and any of us that are struggling with sin, which means every single one of us. So, something to look forward to, hopefully, in the in the future. It takes a lot of time, and so it'll be a little bit of work to put that together, but I look forward to doing that. Okay, we're going to throw it to a quick break. We'll be back to discuss the unspoken and uh, kind of countercultural lesson that we can learn from a man like Nehemiah. Look forward to having that discussion with you. We'll be right back. At New Story, we believe that a praying church is a growing church. We also believe that a church that doesn't pray is going to see decline and disunity. That's why on the second and fourth Sundays of every month, from 6 to 7 p.m., we gather together for prayer nights, and we want to invite you to join us as we come together to pray for our future as a church, our community, and our people. There is something powerful about uniting together in person to go to the Lord and lift up our church family and our brothers and sisters in prayer. If you're unable to gather in person with us and would still like to join us in prayer, each prayer night we post what we will be praying for on the New Story Prayer Team Facebook page. The link to join this group is in the description below, and we look forward to praying with you every second and fourth Sunday of the month, whether in person or separate. Welcome back to the Equip Podcast, uh, equipping you to live out your Christian life as you faithfully love God and love others with truth and grace. Again, Jeremy, just me here with you. Um, but we've been going through a series in Nehemiah. Uh, you can actually listen to that that full series here so far. Uh, we've done five weeks, um, uh, kind of the first five chapters of Nehemiah. You can listen to that right here on the New Story Podcast. Uh, just scroll up or down, whichever direction it is on your device. Um but but I've been seeing something in Nehemiah's life. Well, before we do that, I, I hope this series has been helpful for you. Um, it has really uh, been kicking me in the pants, uh, to, to be honest with you. Um, and that shouldn't be any surprise to, to any of you. If you know me, you know I'm a broken sinner just like any of the rest of us. And uh, the scripture makes that pretty clear. Um, and so the, the challenges I've been, I've been kind of teaching out of this book are challenges I'm speaking over my life as well, um, and I'm not doing it perfectly. That's not the expectation, but the expectation is one step after one step after one step. So I'm right there with you. I hope you know that. 
Um, but yeah, we've uh, something I've been seeing in Nehemiah's life uh, that we really haven't had time to go into on Sundays uh, that 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 I wanted to talk about. It, it's something that I think is admirable, but it's unappreciated. It's a spiritually mature quality in his life that should be pursued, but is often, even by us or people around us, seen as stifling and regressive. It's this: zeal with restraint. Passion with moderation, urgency with caution, intensity with self-control. In chapter one, we when when he heard when Nehemiah heard the word from his brother um, about the state of Jerusalem, he was absolutely broken. He was brought to his knees with a whole array of emotions, all stemming from the the empathy and compassion in his heart. This beautiful thing. Yet we see him search the scriptures, go to the Lord, and pray for four months before finally going to the king, making a request, and acting. This is not natural. (laughs) It's not natural. Think about it culturally. We have gotten to a place where we believe that the loudest voices are the most right, and they're the most true because they're the loudest. The most passionate voices can't be wrong because they're the most passionate, and it sounds good. Or... They can't be wrong because they dunk on who we see as as our opponent. All zeal without restraint. But what Nehemiah models here is passion, yes, but self-control. And we're, uh, again, we're we're kind of at a place culturally that uh, measured responses are seen as harmful. Like I said, we we award and uplift the the overreaction, the loudest, the most cynical, the hottest take. Um, we do this especially when it's something that uh, we don't have the guts to maybe experience this. We don't have the guts to say it to or about someone else um, that we don't like. We don't have the guts to say that, but when someone else says it, man, we'll we'll like and and comment that and give them all the praise. But scripture's clear on this type of response. So let, me, let me give you a couple examples. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Ecclesiastes 7, and 7, 9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Guys, this is the, I'm going to be honest with you, this is the direct opposite of what feels right and natural, if we're going to be real. If you're like me, you're you're slow to listen, but you're quick to snap back and become angry. Like, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. That is what happens to me. I, I just want to snap back. I want to become angry. Um, not there, not a measured willingness to listen and not lash out. That's not what's natural. But as a people of God, this is what we're to embody. So that similar to Israel, from the inside out, we would show a better way and we would glorify God. And like we talked about Sunday, what do our responses and reactions say to a watching world? Again, thinking from the, from the inside out, Israel is supposed to be a people set apart, a different people, that when the nations looked at them, they saw something different, saw them worshiping the one true God, and that those people would now know the one true God. That, would, that was the hope. And so what do our responses and reactions say to a watching world? 
to be clear, we're not Israel. Uh, you know, the, the Israel and the church are not just interchangeable. You can't just just do that in the scripture. They're two different entities. There's different all kinds of theologies around that. We can discuss that some other time, nerd out if you want to. But bringing this into today, what do our responses and reactions say to a watching world? When the people who claim to have hope beyond this life can't seem to keep that in in perspective and how we interact and how we respond, what does that say? And in Nehemiah 5, we see his reasoning for, you know, acting the way he is. And this, his reason for mourning and praying over the state of Israel, his reason for taking a step back and, and taking a breath and checking his heart when he heard about the exploitation of the Hebrew people by other Hebrew people. This is the reason that he gave. Nehemiah 5.15, out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. He knew, he knew that there's not only, not only are other Hebrews watching him, people, because he was a governor at the time, at some point along the line of him working on the wall, like leading through that, he was appointed governor of Jerusalem. There's a lot of power and a lot of prestige that comes with that. And he knows that there's a lot of people watching him and evaluating his integrity, his, his ability to do right when no one's watching. But more importantly than even the people inside the walls, are the people outside the watching world? He chose out of, out of reverence and and awe, out of out of you know seeing his sinfulness in light of the holiness of God. He chose to act differently than what would be natural, like what James talks about. Now, it, here we go. The criticism of a response like this, Nehemiah's response here, a measured, careful response instead of kind of an emotional reaction, is, the criticism is, that there's no real action or movement. That he was he was just allowing injustice to run free and unchecked. And you've heard it before, you know, silence is violence. And if you're not willing to speak out, that makes you complicit. Hear me, none of these verses that we read, and even Nehemiah's response here, is not endorsing complacency. Really important note here, a measured response doesn't mean that you're complicit, but it could easily lead you to being complacent. You you hear that? A measured response doesn't mean that you're complicit, but it could easily lead you to being complacent, meaning that if we're not careful, we will nerf ourselves from the world, grow in complacency, and just be unmoved by the injustice and evil in our world. And where that is the case, we are in sin. But a choice to step back, take a breath, and check our heart. This is commended. It's required of followers of Jesus. And that does not make you complicit. Don't let the talking point or even the justified anger that you feel bait you into reacting. And listen, this this idea doesn't just go for cultural movements, influencers, and political parties, you know. But it applies to us uh, as well because no one talks to us louder than we talk to ourselves. No one, and, and or as no one talks to us as much as we talk to ourselves. And if we're not careful, we'll allow our emotions to go beyond the God-given, beautiful thing, and beautifully informative things that they are, and we'll give them unchecked power in our life. And just begin reacting, which can lead us to destruction. What we often do 
is, you know, this is what I'm feeling. It must be true. This is kind of the whole idea of, of you know, the your my, my truth and your truth, that, that type idea, kind of postmodern approach. This whole idea of, of my truth. This is what I'm feeling. It must be true. I'm going to react based off this. That's where, where this comes from. Don't, you, you, you don't, if you don't believe that this is kind of the, 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 how how many of us even well listen we'll even criticize what we see in our culture of of you know the the whole idea of my truth and your truth we do the same dang thing all the time all the time and if you don't believe me just watch the internet come november 8th midterms or whenever big news drops the quickest the loudest reactions that align with our emotions at the time get our praise Instead, what we see modeled here is this is what I'm feeling. I'm distressed. I'm hurt. I'm angry. Again, justifiably angry. This is what, this is what Nehemiah said. He, he said he was very angry when he heard about this. But the question we have to ask is this. Where did Nehemiah allow his anger to lead him? Where did he allow his emotions to take him? And I'll say exactly what I said on Sunday. If you, if you go and listen to the, to the, the message or, or we're there. Not all anger is wrong or sinful. Please know that. Anger is just a catalyst to something else. It's not an end in and of itself. It's a catalyst to something else. So it's not all wrong and sinful by any means, but what we allow our anger to lead us to just might be wrong or sinful. There are times when the only response to a situation is anger. We should be angry when the image of God and other people is being violated. If we allow our anger to motivate us to be leaders in change, praise God. That is a good, good thing. But here's the caution with that. In our anger and discontent, we can easily hyper-focus on a very minuscule part of Jesus' ministry where he cleansed the temple. And if you're not familiar with that, um, the the uh, some of the Hebrew uh, leaders, similar to people we see violating um, uh, violating other Hebrew people here and exploiting them, we see the same thing come back up. Um, and when when Jesus was walking the earth, about four hundred years later, four hundred plus years later, same things happening again. They're exploiting the Hebrew people and charging them extra money to buy uh, the the necessities to be able to worship in the temple. And they're taking money out on top of that, and they're living these lavish lifestyles because of that. And it, it's dark, it's evil, it's wrong, um, it should be condemned. And so Jesus goes in and does what's called a, a cleansing of the temple. And we say, we look at different things happening, we say, yeah, I need to go start flipping tables just like Jesus. Going with a whip, start whipping around and flipping tables. And what we tend to do is we can begin to overapply this to all kinds of situations that it does not apply to. Also, big note here, you're not Jesus. I know your world just got blown up, um, but you're not Jesus. Let's not pretend that we have the wisdom and self-control to express our anger in the same way God and the flesh does. Yet we're to be like Jesus and model our lives after him, but we have to also acknowledge that there are certain areas our sinfulness comes out more than others, and maybe my focus should be on the characteristics we see most in his life, like love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, before I begin to hyper-focus on the one thing he did and now use that as a free pass to act out of pocket. When we do that, man, listen, feel better. (laughs) But I'm only adding to the brokenness when I when I respond like that or react like that. 
So where did Nehemiah's anger lead him? It led him to prayer and to action. This is the response we see from Nehemiah. We see zeal with restraint, passion with self-control. And there's ditches on either side of this to avoid. One, one side is complacency toward injustice and wrongdoing. That's, that's one ditch, say over here on the, on, on the right. And the other is quick-tempered reactions on the other side of us. These are ditches to avoid. This is tension. And just because our culture seems to glorify one over the other doesn't mean that it makes it right. Just as our culture says, yeah, complacency is good or, or quick-tempered reactions is good doesn't mean that that's okay. And when I say culture, I'm not pointing fingers at one side here. Culture is a, a broad term that we can find ourselves in different cultures depending on how we orient our lives or who we listen to, who we spend time with. The more progressive culture will lean on the side of reaction and criticize the complacent. And the more conservative culture will lean on the side of complacency and criticize the reaction. Don't believe me? Open up CNN. Open up Fox News. Two clear, ex- just, you know, um, the, the ditches there. So which do you lean towards more? I'll be honest. I can be, I can be real with you. I lean more towards the um, complacency. It's really easy for me to say it doesn't affect me, so I'm going to step to the side. And I know that about myself, so I have to push myself constantly to avoid that. What do you lean more towards? What behaviors do you need to avoid? And that's a question you have to answer yourself. So maybe you, like Nehemiah, need to take a step back. Take a breath. Take counsel with yourself, like Nehemiah did. And remember that a measured response doesn't mean that you're complicit, but it could easily lead you to being complacent. And I'm praying that we can be a people that are trying to bring heaven to earth in how we speak, how we care for one another, and how we interact with one another. That's my prayer. And that's all I have for you today. So, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I uh, encourage you to go back, listen to the Nehemiah series. Um, Again, hopefully it's been encouraging to you, you, and I look forward to um, continuing to walk through this book Um, and seeing what it can really kick us all in the pants with Um, because that's that's what that's what we need sometimes Um, complacency is a normal feature that we just fall into and uh, sometimes we just need a swift kick so hopefully this book can continue to do that for us but again thank you for joining me this has been the equip podcast uh, where we're equipping you to live out your christian life as you faithfully love god and love others with truth and grace so now let's go do it (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.